Section twenty nine of Woman in the Nineteenth Century. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Patty Cunningham. Woman in the Nineteenth Century and Kindred Papers Relating to the Sphere, Condition, and Duties of Women by Margaret Fuller. Section twenty nine Woman in Poverty woman even less than man is what she should be as a whole she is not that self-centered being full of profound intuitions angelic love and flowing posy that she should be yet there are circumstances in which the native force and purity of her being teach her how to conquer where the restless impatience of man brings defeat and leaves him crushed and bleeding on the field images rise to mind of calm strength of gentle wisdom learning from every turn of adverse fate, of youthful tenderness and faith undimmed to the close of life, which redeem humanity and make the heart glow with fresh courage as we write. They are mostly from obscure corners and very private walks. There was nothing shining, nothing of an obvious and sounding heroism to make their conduct doubtful by tainting their motives with vanity. Unknown they lived, untrumpeted they died many hearts were warmed and fed by them but perhaps no mind but our own ever consciously took account of their virtues had art but the power adequately to tell their simple virtues and to cast upon them the light which shining through those marked and faded faces foretold the glories of a second spring the tears of holy emotion which fell from those eyes have seemed to us pearls beyond all price or rather whose price will be paid only when beyond the grave they enter those better spheres in whose faith they felt enacted here from this private gallery we will for the present bring forth but one picture that of a black nun was wont to fetter the eyes of visitors in the royal galleries of france and my sister of mercy too is of that complexion the old woman was recommended as a laundress by my friend who had long prized her I was immediately struck with the dignity and propriety of her manner. In the depth of winter she brought herself the heavy baskets through the slippery streets, and when I asked her why she did not employ some younger person to do what was so entirely disproportioned to her strength, simply said she lived alone and could not afford to hire an errand boy. Was it hard for her? No, she was fortunate in being able to get work at her age when others could do it better. Her friends were very good to procure it for her. Had she a comfortable home? Tolerably so. She should not need one long. Was that a thought of joy to her? Yes, for she hoped to see again the husband and children from whom she had long been separated. Thus much in answer to the questions, but at other times the little she said was on general topics. It was not from her that I learnt how the great idea of duty— had held her upright through a life of incessant toil, sorrow, bereavement, and that not only she had remained upright, but that her character had been constantly progressive. Her latest act had been to take home a poor sick girl who had no home of her own and could not bear the idea of dying in a hospital, and maintain and nurse her through the last weeks of her life. Her eyesight was failing, and she should not be able to work much longer, but then God would provide." somebody ought to see to the poor motherless girl it was not merely the greatness of the act for one in such circumstances 
but the quiet matter-of-course way in which it was done that showed the habitual tone of the mind and made us feel that life could hardly do more for a human being than to make him or her the somebody that is daily so deeply needed to represent the right to do the plain right thing god will provide yes it is the poor who feel themselves near to the god of love though he slay them still do they trust him i hope said i to a poor apple-woman who had been drawn on to disclose a tale of distress that almost in mere hearing made me weary of life i hope i may yet see you in a happier condition with god's help she replied with a smile that raphael would have delighted to transfer to his canvas a mozart to strains of angelic sweetness all her life she had seemed an outcast child still she leaned upon a father's love the dignity of a state like this may vary its form in more or less richness and beauty of detail but here is the focus of what makes life valuable it is this spirit which makes poverty the best servant to the ideal of human nature i am content with this type and will only quote in addition a ballad i found in a foreign periodical translated from camiso and which forcibly recalled my own laundress as an equally admirable sample of the same class the ideal poor which we need for our consolation so long as there must be real poverty the old washerwoman among yon lines her hands have laden a laundress with white hair appears alert as many a youthful maiden spite of her five-and-seventy years bravely she won those white hairs still eating the bread hard toil obtained her and laboring truly to fulfill the duties to which god ordained her once she was young and full of gladness she loved and hoped was wooed and won then came the matron's cares the sadness no loving heart on earth may shun three babes she bore her mate she prayed beside his sick-bed he was taken she saw him in the churchyard laid yet kept her faith and hope unshaken the task her little ones of feeding she met unfaltering from that hour she taught them thrift and honest breeding her virtues were their worldly dower to seek employment one by one forth with her blessing they departed and she was in the world alone alone and old but still high-hearted with frugal forethought self-denying she gathered coin and flax she bought and many a night her spindle plying good store of fine-spun thread she wrought the thread was fashioned in the loom she brought it home and calmly seated to work with not a thought of gloom her decent grave-clothes she completed she looks on them with fond elation they are her wealth her treasure rare her age's pride and consolation hoarded with all a miser's care she dons the sark each sabbath day to hear the word that falleth never well pleased she lays it then away till she shall sleep in it for ever would that my spirit witness bore me that like this woman i had done the work my master put before me duly from morn till set of sun would that life's cup had been by me quaffed in such wise and happy measure and that i too might finally look on my shroud with such meek pleasure such are the noble of the earth they do not repine they do not chafe even in the inmost heart they feel that whatever else may be denied or withdrawn 
there remains the better part, which cannot be taken from them. This line exactly expresses the woman I knew. Alone and old, but still high-hearted. Will any, poor or rich, fail to feel that the children of such a parent were rich when her virtues were their worldly dower? Will any fail to bow the heart in assent to the aspiration? Would that my spirit witness bore me, that like this woman I had done the work my Maker put before me, duly from morn till set of sun? May not that suffice to any man's ambition? End of section 29 Recording by Patty Cunningham